Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. As much as you and I have been chatting, we got a lot to talk about today. We really do. So where do we want to start? We want to dive into it? Wherever you want to go. I got story time for everybody, and I don't know if that's a popular segment of the show or not, but I think it's important. So I understand, you know, when I have something that's not in my wheelhouse, that I will Google it or YouTube it. And there is good information out there, but can also take you down some rabbit holes and some assumptions. And if you're a DIY person, that's totally cool. Um, Sarah, do you find yourself like uh, Googling or YouTube and stuff from time to time? Do you I ever do, do that? but if it's too far out there, yeah. I typically will just hire it done. Yeah. I think to myself, I would much rather pay a little bit more to have this actually fixed yeah. by a professional than have to do it myself, mm-hmm. ruin it, and then completely have to replace the entire thing that I'm DIYing. Yes. And sometimes even the pay a little bit more part of it, in this instance, it probably would have been the other way around. So I had a few calls, or I guess I have these calls quite often, honestly, where similar say, hey, I got a, a quote unquote diagnostic done at the parts store and how much to replace this yada, yada, yada. Typically, it's catalytic converter is one of the most common misdiagnosed ones, which is a very expensive misdiagnosis, by the way, as well as if you go cheap in replacing it or you get somebody to do a bargain basement job, you will typically replace the probably fine functioning catalytic converter with a subpar new component. And that's kind of a a trend across the board. You know, a lot of times when you replace a a OE or original equipment part with a aftermarket part, it's subpar. The quality is not near what it should be. So in this instance, we had a gentleman with a Chevy pickup, pretty much a normal, everybody's got one out there, had some bad runnability problems. And so he had, I'm sure, Googled it and YouTubed it, and he did good work. I didn't see anything wrong other than it had um, non-original equipment coils, which is a little bit of a concern. When you can go to eBay or Amazon and buy a whole set of coils cheaper than you can buy one coil, you really have to question of whether, you know, how they got to that price. If you can get a full set of coils for $60 and one original equipment coil is 80 or 100 well, what are you getting for your 60 bucks to get eight for that kind of money? So... Uh, concerns me a little bit there that I saw all these yellow coils on there when I know that's not original equipment, but he did good work. Everything was new, basically did, uh, eight coils and a full tune up and the truck ran pretty much, you know, the same, it's still struggling. So at this point, that's where we kind of ended up with it. And what I am trying to explain or express here is he would have been cheaper to pay the checkout and diagnostic time and have us do the repairs than all of the cheap internet parts that he and the time the time that it took him to put it on there and struggle and stress and and kind of go through all that so i'm not saying that you know we got to fix every car in springfield or anything like that but having a good accurate diagnosis with somebody that takes that seriously is probably worth its weight in gold in my opinion you know i i don't I deal with a lot of problem cars, I guess, at this point in my career. You know, I don't get a lot of the softball easy ones anymore. Those usually either go to another shop or another tech. And so a lot of what I'm seeing is, you know, not only do we have the primary problem, 
but because somebody took the parts cannon and just shot it at your car and replaced it with typically a bunch of subpar or subquality parts, not only do I have to figure out the original problem, but now I have to troubleshoot any of these low-quality aftermarket parts. So it it gets more expensive, obviously, the more problems I have to find and um, the more time-consuming it is. So my point is, is if you've got a problem and there is typically going to be a checkout or a diagnostic charge of some kind, it is really in your best interest as long as you have it at a shop that actually has somebody that takes diagnostic work seriously. And not all shops have that. I'll be very honest. It's uh, it's a very far and few in-between skill set. And so, Sarah, you've been at all of our stores and met all of our folks. Uh, I realize you're part of the show here, but we take that super seriously. And I hope that you feel that as you're in the shops and kind of seeing that. Is that yeah, Am actually, I way off mark? Am no, I blowing smoke here? We did that with the, the husband's truck. We yes. had a check engine light come on a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, it was kind of a middle-of-the-road problem. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that we had to address right then and there. Yes. But it is something that we are aware of now. You guys are aware mm-hmm. of it. So we can start slowly preparing ourselves that, hey, in the next 30 to 60 Mm -hmm. days, we are going to get this fixed and we know about it. Hopefully that gives you guys a peace of mind too, knowing that, hey, this isn't going to leave me broke down or stranded or stuck. Um, Yours is an emissions related issue. So definitely something you want to get taken care of, but not something detrimental that, you know, um, is going to cause you unexpected problems or heartache. So Having that, you know, I think the unknowing part of things is always the most stressful part for me. Um, we went through some some home repair stuff here recently, and, you know, it took a couple of months to get that all worked out, and there was a very big dollar amount kind of in that. And so the unknowing part of it of whether we were going to be able to take care of it and pay for it and et cetera, that's a big, big weight kind of. And so once you finally at least say, okay, this is the number, this is what I got to work for, this is what it's going to take. I know I felt like so much better after that was done. And then we did hire out a contractor. So, I mean, I was kind of on the other side of the coin. Guy was fantastic. Absolutely awesome. His crew reflected him. He was out there killing it just as much as everybody else. So definitely a, uh, you know, I was on the other side of it and thankfully was treated well. So there are good shops out there, good contractors, etc. that, you know, you really, in, in today's day and age and how hard it is to, you know, come up with the money to do those extra kind of things, you had better know who is taking care of it. And, and you know, as a company, we try and do a very good job letting you know who's working on your car. All of these folks are industry professional people. They're not somebody that had a chosen different profession or, you know, had just a, you know, a, a normal factory job or something like that. These folks are trained professionals. We're actually leaving um, this week and we will be doing some advanced lane departure autonomous driving training. I'm taking a few of the guys up to Kansas City to get that done. And the reason I bring that up is because we're devoted to our craft. I mean, this is essentially our chosen profession, no different than the way you make this board sing here. It is really one of those things that you better have somebody that takes it seriously in order to get the value for your money. The days of going to, you know, big chain stores and, you know, even some of your mom and pop shops are are dwindling drastically because the amount of equipment and how complex these vehicles are, 
Uh, Sarah, have you opened the hood on your new car at all? I haven't. So I would encourage you to, to take a peek at it. Maybe next time you're at the shop, we could show you some of the kind of basic stuff. But the reason I bring that up is I ask a lot of people that, and they tell me the same thing, and that's fine. If you've got somebody that's looking out for your vehicle, I don't blame you not one bit. But anymore, even opening the hood to identify components is almost it's very difficult if you're not familiar with it or continuously training on it because, you know, back in the day you'd open it up and there was an alternator and a starter and, you know, intake and all that stuff. Now, holy smokes, they got all that stuff very well uh, engineered to be very difficult to service and work on. I could only imagine. You know, we've been talking about that truck that the husband and I have been restoring very slowly, but restoring nonetheless. Yes. And I mean, the amount of parts underneath (laughs) that hood, I mean, it is, it's unreal. There is very little. They made it just super uh, mm-hmm. uncomplicated. Yes. And then whenever I started driving, I drove a 2005 Dodge Neon, which is, of course, a little bit more complicated mm-hmm. than that vehicle that sure. I'm talking about. But whenever I first learned to drive, my dad made sure that I knew how to change the oil in mm-hmm. my car and to change a spare. Well done. And I don't know if I could do that or even identify with my new vehicle Mm -hmm. just because of how convoluted and complex things have become. It really is. Even, like you say, getting the spare out from under, because a lot of those are mounted on a pulley system underneath the vehicle. I mean, I have people call from time to time, and I guess that's why it's good to have some roadside assistance. But if you're in a spot that you've got to do it, um, I hope you've got some, you know, preemptive preparation to be ready i helped some folks they were getting ready to go to florida i think it's been a month or two ago good normal folks normal customers of ours um i was looking over they've got a buick i believe is what it is a little suv and so i was going through a pre-trip inspection for them and i made sure they knew where their spare tire tools were how to get the spare tire down that the spare tire was aired up as well as the rest of the safety stuff just as a precaution, now they thankfully didn't have any issues going to Florida and back. Uh, it was a painless trip for them. Um, we did find that the, even though they're in pretty regular, they had taken a trip, I think, to like Virginia or something. And in between the two times that we had seen them, they had really worn out the brakes on this vehicle. So we were able to catch that before they were on a trip. We did a brake service while we had it and uh, got all their stuff prepared. And then I went over that with the gentleman before they left. And I could just see kind of on his face that it was a little bit like refreshing or or relief that he's like, okay, if we have, you know, some basic issues, I'm familiar with what's going on. It's not going to be super unexpected. And then he'll know how to deal with it. And thankfully they didn't have to, but that uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is definitely something that I try and and share with as many people as possible, kind of in our wheelhouse. Because even though I've been a, a certified master technician for probably better than 15 years at this point, I still don't enjoy having automotive problems out on the road while I'm traveling. And it's one thing if it's just me, but it's a whole nother thing if you've got the whole family with you. I want to do as much prevention as possible, whether it's mine or your vehicle, whatever it is. And I hope that you do the same as well. Um, You know, you don't have to be extreme like to where I carry a pretty much a roadside emergency kit 
um, as we go on these trips, extra air compressor and, and, you know, many things that are way overkill. But I carry those because it has, I've used them. And I carry them because I've needed them and didn't have them. And I'm thinking, nope, I'm never going to be in this boat again. You know, that was a lesson learned. Something I don't stock and I need to add to our, our collection is roadside flares. That's kind of on my to-do list that I've never really had any that I've kept in our vehicles. I have flashing caution lights, but, uh, you know, I'm always working on our kit. I hope you guys are, too. But Sarah and I are into the first break. We're going to pick it up on the other side right after this. Welcome back. we got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I need your help talking me through this one. Sure. So we have a very beloved person, a customer of ours. We have taken really good care of them, and we had priced them a certain work, and then they decided not to have to do it, which is fine. Not a big deal. But they had a really bad experience going somewhere else. And, shame. you know, at the older I get, I was sharing this with you off air, but the more time is valuable to me. Like money's, you know, we all got to have money and pay our bills and all that stuff. I get that. But I don't have time to do like cheap, like halfway repairs. Like I got to fix your car. So for for you and I both, basically. I don't want you to have to come back to me every month or every few weeks and like kind of patch it together, nor do I really have time to keep like limping it along. Like when you come in, we do a full evaluation, we give a good digital inspection, and then we make a game plan. I'm not saying you got to fix everything, you know, all at once. Hopefully it doesn't feel that way when you bring your car in, but I want you to have a good, full understanding of your vehicle, no different than I do. And when I price it, I'm not going to do cheap quality repairs. I'm just going to have to say, no, I'm sorry, that's below our standard. And the reason that I can say that with authority is not because I just want to do buku dollars of repair work. It has nothing to do with that. It is I have done all those cheap repairs over the years, and I have seen and dealt with the fallout from all that. And so I've learned that, hey, you don't put this line apart or this manufacturer or you have this issue, so this is our problem-solving solution. Like, we've developed solutions for different engines and drivetrains and, and different things. Hopefully I'm making sense here. But <clears throat> we know what works because I've done all the things that didn't work. You know, that's why I don't order things on eBay and Amazon, and I'm not throwing stones at eBay and Amazon. But you don't know what you're getting when you order those, even if it is a – you know, there was a big deal with Motorcraft parts here a while back that if you ordered it from one of those vendors, it would look like a factory part. But then I would put it on and it wasn't. It was a ripoff or a clone or, you know, bootleg basically. And so <clears throat> with these folks, you know, they went somewhere, they got service, they had to go back two or three times. They had to argue with them a whole bunch um, in order to get them to fix some collateral damage to the service. And then at the end, but they were like, well, they were cheaper. And I'm like, I don't do cheap stuff. You bring it to me, it may cost a little bit more. I'm definitely not the cheapest shop around. But I'm going to put what I believe in on there. And if something goes wrong, I'm going to be here to deal with it and, and with confidence make the situation right. But I can't be putting low-quality repairs on to all these people coming in to where they got to come back two or three times, even with factory parts sometimes. I'll have a part out of the box that doesn't work. So I have to mitigate your ability to, 
you know, spend the money that you worked hard for and make sure that we're holding a standard that I can warranty it for the next, you know, three years or 36,000 miles. So what do you think? You think I'm, you think I should have done a cheaper repair on those folks car or you think I should have just stuck to my guns? No, I definitely agree with you for sticking to your guns because at the end of the day, whenever you take it to some place because it's quote unquote cheaper, mm-hmm. sometimes you are sacrificing quality. Yeah. And kind of like you, you know, you talk about time is money and time mm-hmm. is valuable. And the older I get, the more I do realize that as well, especially now that I have a little one. Yeah. And I don't have time to be running around doing this, that, and the other over one little thing yeah. when I could have just taken it to you guys and had it fixed within an hour or two. And then I don't have to worry about it anymore. I had this kind of epiphany here, or maybe it was they shook me real hard and it occurred to me. So Lois and Kenny have owned the company for many years. I've learned a tremendous amount from them. But one of the things Kenny taught me, and this has been several years ago, his, his uh, I believe it's his daughter-in-law. She's got a real nice Hyundai, been a great little car. And she's, I think, I'm not sure, they have a few kids. I don't know whether they have two or three. But he made a, a statement at one point that really got my attention. Like when you go to running kids around and, and working and living life, you don't have time to bring your car in four or five times a year. You really need to bring it in maybe two, three times a year, get your maintenance done, make sure there's nothing new going on. You just kind of need that health check. And he's like, she doesn't have time to bring it back. So, you know, we need to do a good checkout, fix what's going on, you know, and then maybe two to six months later, we'll see it again. And I realized that, you know, everybody's kind of in that boat. You know, the days of, you know, the DIY person or checking and working on it every weekend, you don't really see a lot of people doing that. They bring it in, they get it done, and then they put it back into service, essentially, kind of like a fleet does, for the next two to six months, and then you'll see it again. So really our goal is for you to see us as little as possible, but we want to have a good evaluation. You know, I definitely want to see it at least twice a year. Have a good evaluation. If you drive more, I want to see it more, but I don't want to like just nickel and dime you to death to where you come in and we do a little bit here. And then in two or three, four weeks, we do a little more and a little more and a little more. If that's what you want to do, that's fine too. But in today's pace of life, I guess, Sarah, if I had to have your car every four weeks and you had to figure out how to get a ride home or get a loaner car or wait on stuff, I can see it in your face now. You're like, no, it ain't going to happen. (laughs) It definitely wouldn't. I have a very strict schedule Mm -hmm. just because the babysitting and work and I have meetings outside of work and my schedule is just very Mm so-so. And something like that, that would be a major inconvenience for me. And so if, you know, we get a rare opportunity for your car and I, you know, save you a few bucks here, but it makes you come see me more frequently or it doesn't last very long and it it craps out on you again, well, I guarantee the next time that it gives up on you or gives you problems, it's going to be in a less convenient time than the first time that you made preparations. So I just, at this point, I'm glad they got their car taken care of. I hate it. They had to go back and deal with some things that were damaged during the service. Um, but it really struck me funny at the end of it. They're like, but they were cheaper. And I'm like, well, were they really cheaper? One more thing that I want to point out with that, because this is a a friend of both of us. And they were telling us that 
whenever they found out that they had replaced the thing that mm-hmm. they wanted to, but then they broke another thing. Yeah. When they went back, they tried to blame her right. for it. That's and they right. said, oh, no, you. it was like this before. Yeah. And it was some weird thing that mm-hmm. we had never heard of yeah. before, like me and her. And it's <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what would she be doing crawling around trying to break things well and you kind of elaborated on that a little bit and obviously i don't see this you know i'm in the business all the time but you know as a a woman or a lady going into any business but uh, let alone an automotive business you kind of feel like are they really kind of smoke and mirror or shadow games here and i hate that you know i've worked for a lady that owns a1 custom her and kenny do for you know long time now you look at a fair amount of our shops, they're managed or run by ladies or women. Um, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. And I guess I don't realize that that as a lady walking in, you're kind of like a little gun shy if they're going to try and take advantage of you. Really, because the people telling me what to do are ladies anyway. <laughs> so it works out good. And I just, I don't pay a lot of attention. But as you told me that kind of experience you've had previously, or, or even in this instance, to where somebody blamed them for quote unquote tearing it up, which was completely hogwash. Um, it was like, man, I hate it that they have to deal with that. But when you go somewhere else, I can't help you. It's not that I could even step up and say, yes, we did something bad. We'll take care of it. What do I need to do? You know, and, and start kind of taking over that problem versus trying to dump it back on the person and be like, oh, this was your bad, blah, blah, blah. I can't help anybody when they go somewhere else like that. And I've had that similar situation happen when I went to A1. I've had like a little minor Mm -hmm. hiccup. And I took it back to the shop. And you guys were awesome. You were like, I am so sorry. Here, let me get it fixed. And five minutes, you know, it happens. We're not perfect. I'm not selling that bill of goods any day (laughs) of the week. But we take it really seriously. And when we do have one that comes back on us. You know, that pretty much, you know, we, we make that a priority because I want to get it taken care of. I, do, I don't want to, you know, a lot of folks, I think in life, this is just not related to cars, that that hard or that ugly situation, a lot of folks kind of shy away from it. And they're like, uh, you know, maybe somebody else will deal with that customer who's upset or whatever. You know what? I have learned over the years that that doesn't get you anything. If anything, that gets you a bigger ball of wax to deal with. So I hate it. I don't enjoy it. But when I see somebody upset, I pretty much just go and deal with it and take the brunt of it. And I'm very thankful. I've got a lot of other people that do that as well. That, hey, we're just going to take this one on the nose. If it's us, I'll tell you. We screwed it up. We broke it. We did blah, blah, blah. This is what we're going to do about it. How how does that work for you? So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. I think we got some current events and some car-related news. We'll be right back after this. All right. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got some uh, stories over there. I do. Okay. So do you want to hear about Hyundai first or do you want to talk about Hurricane Ian? I would like to talk about Hurricane Ian because okay. this has been on the news here lately, which is, you know, we're going through some electric vehicle training as mm-hmm. a company. Uh, I spent a, a whole Saturday a couple weeks ago with some of our guys going through it. So I think as a culture, we're kind of learning the ins and outs of this electric vehicle. 
Um, but what do you got about Hurricane Ian and electric vehicles? Well, this is from Fox News, and the title is Electric Vehicles Are Exploding Oof. from Water Damage After Hurricane Ian. Yeah. Now, I highlighted just a little bit of it, and I figured that we could go into yeah, a sure. discussion over it. But a top Florida state official is warning that firefighters have battled a number of fires caused by electric vehicle batteries that have been waterlogged from Hurricane Ian. Now, EV batteries that have been waterlogged in the wake of the hurricane are at risk of corrosion, which could lead to unexpected fires. And basically, not only are a lot of these firefighters dealing with homes and just all of the devastation from this hurricane, but now they have literal cars like blowing Mm -hmm. up in the middle of the road. And I'm sure just at random, you know, so, you know, maybe they get caught up a little bit, but then these cars start kind of cooking off, if you will. And I would imagine that lithium fire, from the little bit of research I've done, I don't think water will put that fire out. Yeah. Now, the um, I believe his last name is Patronus. He is a top official fire marshal. And mm-hmm. he said that it takes special training and understanding of EVs to ensure that these fires are put out quickly and safely. And a thing that drives me nuts about news articles, it doesn't exactly explain why. Mm-hmm. But I would like to know, because my first thought was, well, I'm going to assume that these fires are a little bit different yeah. than your everyday fire it's more like a chemical based fire Mm -hmm. versus you know a combustion based fire as well as i would assume now we all know what assumptions do but the the fumes off of that fire are probably extremely toxic and getting it put out in and you know i'm not saying you know i I want any more federal EPA regulations, but I guarantee whatever that lithium burning along with the tremendous amount of plastic and rubber, etc. in those vehicles, it is going to be a very hot and intense inferno. And I would make a fair assumption that, you know, normal water is not going to put that out. It'll be something more like what they have to use for a chemical plant or a chemical factory fire to get that snuffed out and get it to get back under control as well as the structures you know i would imagine a fair amount of these cars are close or in or near structures so not only will they have a car fire they'll have a structure fire so definitely something that uh is we're learning as we continue to be pushed in the green initiative manner and it's not that I'm opposed to the electric vehicle situation. I'm not at all. It's very fascinating. What I'm opposed to is it being force-fed down everybody's throat um, and then, you know, not having the infrastructure or the technology to deal with it as they continue to push away from the internal combustion engine. Now, the internal combustion engine, obviously, you don't want to flood those out, but I don't ever remember those catching on fire after being waterlogged, there is plenty of damage and it is very devastating. I'm sure there is going to be a tremendous amount of used flood cars coming into the market. So I want everybody to be aware of that. And that will really probably be a 90 to 120 days before those will start coming into the market. And unfortunately, some of the unscrupulous auto sales will sell those and not have a flood designation and we find them here even in the midwest we definitely see those and nobody wants to buy those i guarantee it will be 
a uh, very costly mistake and a lot of times it's too late and you're married to it and you can't get your money back so what else you got over there you had a hyundai uh story i believe yes i've got two of them and i'm going to start with this one st louis is preparing to sue hyundai and kia over rampant car thefts in the city have you heard of this i have not actually this is news okay well car thefts have skyrocketed in st louis in recent months with city leadership threatening lawsuits against kia and hyundai for an alleged defect that makes certain makes of the cars easier to steal. Hmm. Auto thefts in St. Louis have doubled this year, according to KMOV. In July alone, the city averaged about 21 Kia and Hyundai thefts incidents each day. That number has increased to 23 thefts each day in August. Now, in August, St. Louis leaders threatened to sue Hyundai and Kia, demanding the car companies address a defect that allegedly makes stealing vehicles made before 2021 easier to steal. KMOV reported last week that plans to sue the carmakers over the city's spike in auto thefts are still in the works. Stand by here. (laughs) Thefts of Kias and Hyundais have skyrocketed across the country in recent months as a TikTok challenge using the hashtag KiaBoys grew in popularity. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. The social media trend challenges people to steal certain models of Kias and Hyundais made between 2010 and 2021 that are not equipped with an electric anti-theft security device called an immobilizer. Mm -hmm. The cars can be stolen with just a USB cable and a screwdriver according to the social media trend. Now, the car companies are also facing a handful of class action lawsuits filed this year over the vehicles not having immobilizers. A law firm in Ohio reported last week that more than 3,600 people in the state inquired about joining the proposed suit. Another class action suit was filed in California last month against the car companies over the vehicles lacking immobilizers. A similar class action suit was filed in Illinois at the beginning of September, and another one was filed in Minnesota later the same month. My, my, my. You know what my first thought is? What's that? Do you just want to hear my opinion on I this? I do. Why are we going after the car manufacturers and not the mm. actual criminals That's a good question. in these crime-ridden cities? Why is it their fault? I wonder, and I'm sitting here right now, like, how do people even come up with this crap? You know, let alone now that they figured out how to steal those range of vehicles, and then essentially they put it out there on TikTok and blast it out to the masses. If I'm not mistaken, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. So it just begs the question, like, don't these people have something better to do? I know. My first (laughs) thought, if I was going to come across this video, wasn't be like, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to go out there and steal me a car today. So even if you do, and so let's just play devil's advocate for a minute. Like, even if I had a stolen car or a whole bunch of them, what the heck are you going to do with them? Uh, that's my thing. Are you just going to like sit them around a while and be like, hey, look at all these cars? You know, I'm sure they're chop shopping them and maybe there's this whole underground thing that I don't know about and nor do I really want to. But, you know, you've heard about the chop shops forever that they cut them up and sell mm-hmm. them for used parts. I can't see that there's that much money in it. But maybe I'm just so obtuse on this that I, I don't see the, the the drive to do so. It just blows me away. I guess I've dedicated my life to fixing vehicles. <laughs> I couldn't imagine just dismantling them into pieces and selling off, you know, the you know primary components. I, I just my mind is not wired that way. So now this is kind of a follow up with that story mm-hmm. because Hyundai has kind of 
They've noticed it and they're addressing it. Mm -hmm. So this is what they say. After distributing some steering wheel locks for concerned owners, they are now starting, excuse me, to offer an electric security system for sale that targets the issue. The system includes a glass brake sensor that targets the most common form of entry in the thefts and immobilizes the ignition if it is set off. The retail price is around $170, but Automotive News reports that the full installation could cost up to $500 with labor. Which, that disappoints me so much. Um, I have unlocked, I don't want to say thousands of cars, but it's probably close over the years. And obviously, I'm not a thief. You know, that's I got plenty of other things to do other than steal other people's stuff. But we uh, had that come and go right there by the Ford Street for a long time. And especially when it was bad weather or raining outside, people would lock their keys in that while they were putting gas all the time. So I have unlocked droves of cars over the years. My point being is if I'm a thief, I am not breaking your window to get into that car. I can get into that car. I won't. I don't want to say I'm gone in 60 seconds, but uh, I can be in the car in probably less than 60 seconds. So the fact that they're going to give you a little peace of mind and their only solution is a glass break sensor. Come on, Hyundai and Kia. You can do a better job than that. You really, really can. But we're up against our last break. We're going to wrap this up in a little nice bow. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We got just a little bit of time. I feel like we haven't used or utilized our soapbox very much. So, Sarah, (laughs) I've got mine. I think you can uh, make sure and tell me what you think about this. They want to charge you 500 bucks for something I don't think is going to work anyway. How do you feel about that? You're a Hyundai and Kia owner. Yes. You got 500 bucks you want to throw out the window? I mean, not for this. (laughs) I don't. I mean, I don't want my car stolen. No. But I think... And, you know, maybe this is just my opinion, but I think that if Hyundai and Kia has realized that they have this problem, mm-hmm. they're seeing an increase in thefts, why aren't they doing a voluntary recall yes. to make it right? You would think. As well as whoever the guy that thought that glass break sensor was the solution, you should probably dock his pay a little bit because, you know, he's definitely not the brightest bulb in the box. And I'm not saying I got it all figured out by no means. But I do know that that ain't going to work. When you when you look at these car thefts, I guarantee most of them are not a window broken out. Somebody got in there and stole them, you know, legit to where they're driving around. And it looks like it's their car, mm-hmm. let alone the thieves of Hyundai and Kia. And I, and I want to say I'm actually a Hyundai and Kia fan. I like the the engineering and a lot of the dependability that are built into those cars for the price point they're selling them. So I'm actually kind of a Hyundai and Kia fanboy, but this one, uh, come on, guys, you can do a little bit better than that. It uh, 500 bucks for something you guys should have built and put in there anyway. Why would they have built it without an immobilizer? I'm assuming some number cruncher decided that they could save a shiny nickel or something mm. and quit putting it in there. Because on the older models, I'm trying to think, I'm pretty sure there's some kind of an immobilizer in those. And I know, you know, other manufacturers, you look at GM, Ford, Dodge, you know, even especially the European market, Asian market, definitely a big part of it. Now, Hyundai and Kia, a lot of their stuff comes out of Korea, I believe, is where a lot of their stuff's built. And so they're kind of their own sub market, I guess, or they're not in one of the big areas that we see a lot of cars come from. And I'm assuming that's why they decided to do that. To give you a good peace of mind thinking about your car sitting out there? No, but no. 
I feel pretty okay where it's at right yeah. now. Yeah, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> but yeah, definitely something to think about, though. So if you know, you're parking those vehicles at home, kind of like our catalytic converter thefts. If you can park it inside, I definitely would. Um, I've got a nice two-car garage on my house. I will be honest with you guys. I doubt I could pull a car in there without some significant effort because it's full of a bunch of stuff. I get that. Um, We do live out in the country. It's not a good excuse. People can steal things out there. But if you can put it behind a locked gate... You know, maybe you got a fenced-in area. You can lock your stuff up. If you got a garage, definitely do that. If you don't, um, I'm a big uh, uh, proponent of a good quality guard dog, something that barks. Not something that barks just at everything under the sun, but I like having a good dog. We have a Belgian Malinois is what ours is. Oh, yeah. Have you seen John Wick? I think it's two or three. Mm -hmm. Those were, I believe, and if somebody wants to text in if I'm wrong, please do. I believe those, all of the work dogs that they had on that film were Belgian Malinois. So Mm, Very cool. They are uh, unbelievably intelligent dogs. I mean, I had grown up with Rottweilers, and I don't mean this in a bad way. They're pretty happy-go-lucky. They're, I don't want to say dumb, but, you know, they're just kind of good to go along with whatever it is. Fantastic dogs. Um, so going from that to a dog that could literally do puzzles, I mean, this dog is brilliant. Um, but I can tell by the way he barks, whether we're getting a delivery, we get a fair amount of Amazon deliveries. I'm sure I'm not the only one. So I can tell that. And I can definitely tell when it's somebody that's not normally at the house. So that's kind of a neat thing. Motion lights. I'm a big motion light proponent. I think that serves many, many, um, uh, solutions as a deterrent you know if you can light it up when the thieves are you know being bad out there they'll think twice and go to a uh, different home um what else a security system mm-hmm. that is my other one so i have done some research and i bought some standalone cameras that you download an app and i don't have a monthly fee for them so if you have a security system or a security uh, company that takes care of that that's awesome um, you definitely want good quality cameras so you can see who's taking your stuff. But uh, be as proactive as possible. And if you know you're one of those people that uh, are targeted, you definitely need to make sure you're playing on the front side of it. As well as something, and if there's some insurance companies out there that want to message in as well, if you leave your keys in your vehicle and it gets stolen, I believe that the insurance company will not cover the claim. Hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of folks that, you know, park in the garage, they just throw the keys in the door. Um, definitely something you want to think about, probably not doing that in case somebody gets in there. So in today's day and age and the climate that we have that we're all living in, the harder you can make yourself or your property as a target as possible, that is money well spent, in my opinion. Um, I'm in the midst of personally doing that. We're putting up some gates and, and some different stuff at our place, some new fences um, to make it a little bit more of a barrier. Now, I had an old guy tell me, and you've probably heard this, Sarah, a lock is to keep an honest person honest. Have you ever heard that? I have. And so I firmly believe that, but I want to make it a little bit harder of a target. And if nothing else, buy myself a little bit more time or my family, my home, whatever it is, businesses in this case. Um, You know, we're running security systems on our businesses, trying to make sure and keep an eye, not just on our stuff, but when you entrust us with your vehicle, we We'll keep it sometimes overnight, and I need to be able to keep an eye on that. And, you know, God forbid something happen. A, I want to know what it is, and B, we'd like to prevent it and try and take action. So, 
do a lot of car repair places mm-hmm. do are they targeted for things like this yeah occasionally you'll see them so our normal um, standard operating procedure is we try and lock everything in at night to where it's in the building mm-hmm. but i have seen to where hey sometimes you don't have enough room to get every car in or people will drop their car off at night occasionally you'll have some unscrupulous folks that will either vandalize or damage or steal components off things um, I have definitely seen new car dealerships really targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story here a couple months ago where they stole a bunch of nice wheels and tires off of uh, like a whole, like 16 in a row. There was lug nuts everywhere. They set them on blocks. And then I have personally fixed brand new cars where they have stolen catalytic converters and different components off of them right off the lot. So um, unfortunately, it's not just you know businesses like ours. I've even seen them hit churches and charities where people will volunteer, which really chaps my butt. You know, you're there giving your time for a good cause. You know, maybe say it's Hurricane Ian. I know the Red Cross is deploying out and taking care of some business. I've I've seen them hit those charities that offer help to others, and those folks are gone for a week or two at a time, come back, and they've siphoned the gas or drilled a hole in the tank or stolen a catalytic converter. I had a good friend of mine Two things happened, and this was out in rural, a um, little bit more central east uh, Missouri. They stole his spare tire out from underneath his truck at a event. It was a charity event. And then another, like, couple of weeks later, they stole the whole turn signal assembly out of the truck. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Two times he got hit. And like I said, he's out, you know, like, central eastern southern Missouri here. You would think being out, at least I do, out in the country, oh, you know, there's not bad people out there. Unfortunately, there's dope heads out there that need your spare or need your turn signal assembly worse than you do. Wow. Yeah. See, my thought process was why would you hit a car repair shop? Because if you were going to steal components mm-hmm. off of a vehicle, you how do you s- not know if that component is broken or yeah, not? Yeah, you may steal the broken part. Right. <laughs> I bought a truck years ago. It had a nice intake um, and carburetor system on it. And I bought it because somebody had opened the hood and unbolted his intake off his small block Chevy. He stole the distributor, the carburetor, and the intake off of his, uh, it was a 76 K5 uh, full-size blazer. Had the removable top. That thing was awesome. I love that vehicle. I sold it, but um, I got it on the cheap because they had stolen parts off of, even that many years ago, I bet I was probably maybe 17 or 18 when I bought that thing and put it all back together and got it running again. Uh, but yeah, it was vandalized at that point. People are so crummy. It is. So I guess the moral of this show is don't be a victim. Don't allow yourself to be one. Don't be a soft target. Yeah, exactly. Really very important. I feel like, you know, my the Matt Canovey in the back of my mind is speaking <laughs> right too. now, you know, <laughs> situational awareness. You know, I was a student of his at different points throughout uh, very much uh, look back on that time in a very positive manner, but it's more critical now than it ever has been. Absolutely. You know, and you better be watching out for you. And even with me raising younger children, you know, we have these discussions where I park, why I park here as I'm walking into the building. What are we looking for? What are we doing? 
as I'm in the facility or whatever, can I see my vehicle? Um, you know, there's a lot of bad people out there. And I don't want to be gloom and doom, but I'm also not going to be an easy target. That's right. Well, we are officially out of show. Mm -hmm. If you are out there and you have a question for me or Dustin, you can shoot us a text on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to our social media. That is at 1041 kstf Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yes, you as well. Be safe. Bye.